coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast. And one day I, 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 I noticed it felt like um, the energy just dropped out of the bottom of my feet. It was the strangest thing. Adam Bernardi has Sark in all the wrong places. They say there's been nerve root damage. And the problem with nerve roots, and this is the sad thing for me, is that they don't regenerate. Nerves will regenerate, but not nerve roots. Coming up, Adam shares the story of how it took a misdiagnosis of cancer and nine doctors and nine additional months to figure out he has Sark. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 49 of the Sark Fighter podcast. It's all brought to you in part by a grant from Atire Pharma. I do this podcast to offer fellow Sark Fighters hope and to help you connect with other Sark patients, to hear their stories, hear what their lives are like, and understand how sarcoidosis affects them. And then hopefully, that helps you understand what you're up against and what you need to overcome, whether it's the disease, the effects of the medicine, or both. But you kind of get a feel for the fact that it can be done, that there are going to be some low spots, but there are some high spots too, and people find a way to, to get through this, and that's the hope part. But on the other hand, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling bad, if you can't believe that it's the prednisone or you can't believe how tired you are because of sarcoidosis. When you hear other people talk about it, what I get up from a lot of people is, yeah, yeah, that's my life. That's my life. I'm starting to understand what I'm dealing with here. And now a quick thought on Sark terminology as we get into this, because this is something that I have been wondering about, but in my most recent podcast with Dr. Jenny Tavi from National Jewish Health in Denver, and she is a wonderful, wonderful Sark doctor, I asked her if we should use the word remission in sarcoidosis like they do in cancer. You know, are you, you have cancer and then, then, then it goes away, so they say you're in remission, right? Well, she says you only say that if you're medication-free. So, in my case, for instance, I'm still taking two drugs, Humira and Azathioprine, and uh, I don't have any symptoms. So I asked her, can I say I'm in remission? Well, no, I'm still taking medication, so I'm not in remission. And I guess the word for what's going on with me and maybe with you is that the sarcoidosis is controlled. My sarc is controlled, but I'm not, quote, in remission. Now, I tell you that because as I record this, we're coming up on Thanksgiving of 2021. It's been a really good year for me. It really has. And sometimes you don't know how sick you are feeling until you actually feel good again, until your mind is more active and, you know, your, your balance is back. And, and I can tell you that I have felt more and more normal as 2021 has gone on. Uh, and, and just as an example, I, you know, I look back on the year, um, and a lot of this stuff had been canceled in 2020, so I crammed a lot of traveling into 2021, which resulted in me going to Montana fly fishing. And then my wife and I went on a hike and bike trip in the Grand Canyon, Zion, and Bryce National Parks. 
Uh, we went to uh, the family cabin in Vermont fishing. I saw my parents. Uh, and then we went to the Outer Banks in North Carolina where I performed a wedding for a friend. And uh, that was a highlight, of course. But I got to drive my SUV on the beach and see some wild horses, which was amazing. And oh yeah, I recently returned from Disney with my youngest son's family, including two of my grandchildren. So we did all of that and all of which I could not have done, certainly say in 2019 and maybe even in 2020. Um, and so, so as we approach Thanksgiving, I am thankful to have had a year where things just work. So yes, there is hope. You can get through this. You can get your sarcoidosis controlled in many, many cases. You just have to have the right doctor. You have to have the right therapy. And hopefully they will land on the right drug or combination of drugs to sort of get you where you need to be. All right. Now, today's guest, I can tell you, is not there yet. Uh, He's in the midst of a bad situation. Adam Bernardi contacted me after listening to the podcast and he wrote to me um, and told me what was going on after and he drives about an hour and listens to the podcast in the car he says I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now and have really benefited from it I have neurosarcoidosis too Uh, it's neurosarcoidosis of the leptomeningeal so to make a long, which is uh, on your spinal cord uh, or near your spinal cord, to make a long story short, he writes, it started coming on about five years ago, but like so many, my doctor didn't put the disparate systems together, but eventually I did. I went to another doctor with a list of what was going on and told him I thought it must be something neurological. And he said, yeah, no kidding. Took an MRI and he told me that I had cancer that had metastasized and said I should get a biopsy. Anyway, nine months and nine doctors later, I was diagnosed with neurosarcoidosis by deduction. It's caused nerve root damage. I have a lot of trouble with balance and walking. I stumbled around like a drunk. I had, now listen to this, because this is pretty brave for somebody to put this out there. So Adam writes, I had erectile dysfunction, bladder and bowel incontinence, And that's the worst part, and nobody in capital letters talks about it. I'm willing to if it helps. It's as if God said, oh, you're squeamish with bodily fluids? Well, maybe this will help you get over it. I'm still not over it, he writes. But in August of 2020, Adam had, he writes, I had a minor stroke in the pons area of the brainstem and lost most of the function in my right leg. They don't know if it was caused Uh, by the inflammation from the sarcoid or not, but it's possible. So now I'm using a walker to get around. I work full-time at Disney as a video editor, and I drive an hour each way to Burbank and back five days a week, and it takes everything I've got. Once I'm at my computer, I'm okay, but getting there has been a major challenge. There's a lot more to this, the diagnosis, the treatment problems, the falling down, the slowing down, the overwhelming fatigue... I feel like I've been poisoned, he writes. I'm about to go into my second surgery for a biopsy. It goes on and on. So like I said, your show has been a great comfort. I listen while I drive to and from work or trying to get something done at home. And those are the words of Adam Bernardi, who wrote to me. And I wrote back to him 
and invited him to come on the podcast and talk more about what he is dealing with with sarcoidosis. And the interview with Adam is coming up next here on the Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter podcast, and joining me now is Adam Bernardi uh, from California. Welcome. Thank you. Good to so, be here. So uh, you are uh, dealing with a pretty significant case of sarcoidosis. Tell us, tell us how it's taken over your body. Well, I have, like you, neurosarcoidosis um, of the uh, lep- they think they got leptomeningeal. It's the um, sheathing that around the spine and brain that holds in the cerebral, uh, spinal cerebral fluid or cerebral spinal fluid. Uh, yeah, CSF. And um, I was having a lot of problems. Um, do you want a history of it or do you want to just- Yeah, sure. Well, let's, let's, first of all, just just so everybody knows what you're dealing with right now, let's let's talk about what's going on in your body right now and then we'll back out and okay. talk a little bit about the the history and and because i think people are fascinated with how other people sort of figured out it was sarcoidosis but let's yeah let's see where you are you know, right it took now. forever to figure it out and yeah um it started with walking i have a problem a lot of problem walking and dizziness uh my stomach uh i have poor bladder control and bowel control which is very embarrassing and horrible. And, 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 and the, uh, one of the, it's sort of like God looked down and said, okay, you're really squeamish about this stuff. I'm going to let you get, I'm going to give you a, a college course in this, you know, a graduate course and throw you in the deep end of the pool. So I have to handle that, which is very limiting. And I'm also exhausted all the time. I, I get it. And at first I thought that was emotional and, and for years, I thought it was for I, for years. I thought a lot of these symptoms were emotional, but um, they turn out to be real. And so, when you look at my MRI, because uh, I have I've had I counted last night just for, to prepare for this, I've had something like fourteen MRIs so far. Wow! And it's from the brain to the bottom of the spine. It's like a, a two-hour, three-hour process each time. When the sarcoid is active, you see you see it on the uh, just next to the spinal cord. You see white buildup, and it looks like plaque, you know, in a you know right. Yes. And uh, and yes. and the the cerebral fluid gets very cloudy sometimes. So when they first looked at it, they thought I had cancer for a long time, for about nine months until. The, well, actually, I I, I re looked at it. It was more like six months. They thought I had cancer. Yeah. Um, And then I had a stroke a year ago, which also came out of the blue. And I don't know if that's part of the sarcoid or 
they don't know if the sarcoid caused yeah. it because no it was one can tell you right yeah no one yeah. can tell me yeah. they yeah. saw it, it stands to reason that i mean a stroke someone once told me that a stroke is like a brain attack you know like a heart mm. attack or a brain attack and you've got issues with your cerebral fluid yeah coincidence I, yeah I, i'm not a big believer in coincidences <laughs> Me personally, you know, I'm not a physician, I'm not a doctor, but anyway, it's it just seems odd that something that no one can say, oh, there was there's some connection between neurosarcoidosis and your stroke. Yeah, it feels like it. Um, but I, you know, I try to um not judge these things. And I've been depending so much on my doctors, which I never thought I would. I I was um much more into the health food and 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 uh, uh homeopathy and stuff like that. Uh, but over the years when it wouldn't work <laughs> and, uh, and I was, but I didn't want it because uh, particularly my mother is she's uh, she's 91 years old and she still won't take medicines, you know, and uh, I don't know how she does it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to go down that same road because I really didn't want to pollute my body as a, you know, and which was kind of a silly excuse, uh, I realized over time. And then when you get something like this, there's nothing in the homeopathic world. To, you know, I tried acupuncture for a long, you know, for a while. And the acupuncturist never heard of it. And she's like an old woman from China who, who is an, so expert at what she does. And she said, well, maybe I'll, this was before the stroke. So maybe I'll treat you for a stroke and see what happens. And that's, that was the best she could do. Mm -hmm. And nothing happened, you know. So uh, let me let me compare notes with you here. I yeah. also uh, went to an acupuncturist um, who probably didn't know a lot about sarcoidosis, although she started researching it after I went to her. And I actually went to two different acupuncturists because I have this this uh, numbness, this loss of sensation in the, in the lower regions of my body, like lower regions, like from basically my stomach to the bottom of my feet. Um, I, have, I have a loss of sensation of touch. And I was trying to get that back. And a lot of people said, well, let's help you regenerate your nerve pathways. And an acupuncture can help with that. Yeah. Um, and so I was pretty good about going every week for months and months and but nothing nothing ever worked right and I, was that your result also yeah yeah same thing i yeah. get I, I sometimes i'd feel a little better afterwards but it wouldn't last and um again i don't know if that was in my head or not i i mean you know my my default is that i'll blame my my emotional state first before anything else right yeah <laughs> so yeah. um so, so right now you've got neurosarc and right. it's, I also uh, have a lot of numbness as well. You do. All right. Yeah. Well, and, and you're having trouble with bowels Yeah. and uh, bladder bladder. Yep. And, but that is consistent with when I had a flare and the, the, inflammation on my spinal cord went from the back of my neck all the way down to the middle of my back. Wow. Um, during a period of say a week, I had the same symptoms. Wow. I had the same, same symptoms, but that has corrected itself after massive doses of prednisone and everything that people have heard me talk about. Um, so 
but you still have that manifestation. It's still chalky yeah, they, down they your say, spinal cord. They say there's been nerve root damage. And the problem with nerve roots, and this is the sad thing for me, is that they don't regenerate. Nerves will regenerate, but not nerve roots. Which is basically and, everything around your spinal cord. Yeah, it's really at the beginning, right where it's coming out the spinal cord. Yep. And, and now yours is the spinal cord, not of the leptomeningeal? Uh, it, they have said the spinal cord is what they've said. Uh, and when they did a biopsy, they biopsied my spinal cord. Right. Um, because they, they wanted to do I a biopsy. Hmm? They, they can't find a place, a good place to do a biopsy. Hmm. Um, they just took a lymph node because it showed up, it lit up on a PET scan. Right. But there was nothing there. It was just happened to be hyperactive at the time it took the PET scan. And so I just found out yesterday which I'm glad it's not cancer or something, but we were hoping to find sarcoid so they could actually definitively call it that. Um, but because right now it's a diagnosis by deduction. Yes, right. And I just interviewed Dr. Ginny Tavi, hmm. and she was telling me about how they do it by deduction. She's a, yeah. a neuro doc, and maybe I can connect you with her. She's uh, She's over in your part of the country. Oh, that would be um, great. Yeah. Well, because my doctor is open to second opinions. We talked yeah. about it. Yeah. So where are you being treated right now? At Cedar sinai Okay. Which and is... Do they, do they have a sarcoidosis center? No, there? they have... Uh, actually, I'm being treated right now by a, a neuro-oncologist because he was the only one that realized... I mean, they were all looking at me and they're saying, it's, you don't look like you have cancer. You know, and and I've had like nine, I know, four or five uh, spinal taps, you know, uh, uh, and the last one is so painful. Oh, my God. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it really depends on the doctor who's yeah. doing it. Huh. Um, I had like, one and it wasn't that painful. No, it wasn't yeah. bad my first three times. But this one, she just, uh, I suppose, wasn't that skilled. Or, you know, or maybe having a bad day or something. Right. So, so have you been, do they suspect that it's sarcoidosis or do you know that it's sarcoidosis? No, they, they strongly suspect it. Okay. They, and, and, um, and in the initial, the treatments worked, you know, well, I was in 90 milligrams of prednisone a day and 90. Yeah. High as a kite. I really liked it actually. Um, yeah, um, for a while. And now I'm on 10 and I, I, I don't think, I don't know what it's doing to me, but I'm not in a, you know, I, I haven't been physically comfortable for a long time now. You know, it, uh, I don't, uh, it's, it's a real um, effort just to do anything. Of course, you know, I've never I, seen you before today and we're doing a, a Zoom call for the purpose of this recording. And uh, did, but so is your face different now than it was? Did you no, actually, I didn't swell up. I didn't get the prednisone, you know, the cortisone face. I didn't get that. Um, my body seemed to handle it really well. well. And initially everything cleared up and the doctor was thrilled. And he said, boy, oh boy, you know, I wouldn't, I would look at your MRI now and think of it as normal. It's just slightly, I see some inflammation, but it's very slight. But then uh, over time, it got worse. And then we uh, tried uh, Remicade. And that seemed to, you know, 
keep me kind of stable, but wasn't really great. And um, that's why <coughs> my doctor wanted to go back to get the baseline again to see. And, th- and he sent me to a brain surgeon and he can get the sample out of my cerebellum. And I went, oh God, I don't know if I want you to drill into my head, but that's still, we might do it. I, I, but I don't know, at this point, I, I think we need to assume I mean, it looks like 95%. That's what it is. So let's just move forward with it, I figure, and, and treat it aggressively. That's, that's my desire. Dr. Jenny Tavi, uh, and as I'm speaking now, that will be the next podcast that's uploaded. So the public hasn't heard this yet, but she was, she was telling me about a med student who presented with symptoms and that she knew... Um, after this had happened to him and they did frontal lobotomies on both sides of his brain. Oh my God. And he was so messed up at one point uh, that he could not recognize his own child. Oh my God. Uh, They eventually worked it around and he's, he's up and running again. Um, But she talked about that, like it was a horror story. And of course, uh, you know, again, um, I don't know if it was me yeah, and it was the best doctor in the world, I would be real hesitant to let somebody yeah. sample my, my brain. And, and, and if, if somebody asked me again, would you let somebody do, uh, you know, uh, uh go get a sample of your spinal cord? I'd say no. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I'm a little, that has this... not gone well for me, but I know I heard your podcast about that. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was rough. Yeah. So I, you know, ooh, that's the thing about neurosarc, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's all it's in a place where you can't touch anything. Right, and it's right on your spine, right next to your spine. They don't want to go in there. There's not yeah. a lot of material to get anyway. Right. And you know, it's so funny that when I first was diagnosed, they were trying to diagnose. They thought I had TB. You know, they wanted because it's so similar. Yes. Um, the the granulomas look so similar, except there's a slight difference between the two. And I can't remember what they told me it was, um, but it has very much the same characteristics. But, you know, they put me through a whole series of intensive tests for infectious diseases and there was nothing there. Yeah. So so the result of all of this is you are fatigued all the time. Yeah. And that's right. Yeah. And, but you're you're working. You uh, you yeah. actually uh, edit uh, some film uh, for Disney, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a cool job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm repurposing movies for TV and stuff like that. Okay, so you so you're the guy that goes in and makes room for the commercials. Yeah, I'm and, making, but the public never knows it. it. Yeah, hopefully they don't realize it. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's well, my goal. Yeah. Uh, I, I, my thinking is, is if you're doing that for Disney, you're doing that at an extremely high, high level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a few of us that are good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Um, so you're up, you're walking around. How has your life changed since all of this started happening? Uh, I was a multitasker. I didn't realize until I got into rehab about how, how I wanted to do everything at the same time. And now because my balance is so bad, and that's the other thing, my balance is just terrible. Um, Literally, I will fall over and just standing there, I'll fall over. Um, Because my feet, 
they explained it to me that my because of the spinal cord injury i mean the uh, the, the nerve roots are in are are damaged um, my brain is not getting the signal of where i forgot what they call it but where my feet are and my legs are in space which we need to be able to stay balanced and walk right and stuff like that and i don't even if i look at my feet and, and watch myself it's a it's it's uh it's hard to move everything moves slowly and um so i've had to slow everything down and do one thing at a time and that's been one of the hardest things to do because I'm always trying to do it, several things at the same time and running and stuff like that. Yeah, were you ever stay... um, athletic or a runner or or anything like that? Not really, no. I was a hiker. Hiker, okay. Yeah, and that was one of the first symptoms was I was I noticed I was having trouble hiking down as opposed to going up, and that going down was harder than going up, and I couldn't figure out why. Um, because the sarco is affecting my knees and my, and, and my, uh, I guess the muscles more that you use when you're going down than when you go up. And that always surprised me because I was always glad at the end of a hike that I could go down, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Huh? So, yeah. So what, I mean, what made you go to the doctor the first time and said something just isn't right here? Well, I, I had been going to my regular doctor, you know, cause I was having, bladder problems here and there. And, uh, and I was having this walking problem. And I noticed I used to walk every day after lunch, or during lunch. And it would always be a brisk pace. And, you know, it, I would get better at it as I got stronger in normal life. <laughs> and, uh, and one day I, I, I noticed it felt like um, the energy just dropped out of the bottom of my feet. It was the strangest thing. And it was harder to take a step. And I told my doctor that I said, I feel like I'm being poisoned or something. I feel like there's something going on that I can't, uh, you know, it just drains. And then it comes back after a little while, but it's slower. And I just don't feel good. And he didn't put it together. He didn't, you know, he went, he thought it was in my head. I thought it was in my head. And um, then I, after a, a few years of this, um, with more and more things going wrong, um, I finally just presented myself to another doctor. I, I had a list of stuff that was going on. And I said, I got this and this and this and this. I think it's neurological. And he said, exactly right. You're getting an MRI tomorrow, you know? Wow. So it was like that. Because I, I, I don't know... I don't, I don't know how I thought it was neurological, but something in my gut told me. And um, sure enough, that's when it came in. And then, you know, when I went back to the doctor, he went, uh, you have cancer. And it just, I literally, and now I understand what they mean by falling off your seat because I didn't expect that, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I literally had problems staying in my seat. <laughs> you know, I was shocked. And, and uh so they did the MRI and they, they yeah. and they saw uh, a glob of something. It's a white. Yeah, a white they saw glob. little. Yeah, things uh, enhancements. They called it. Right. Yeah. Sure. And uh, and they said, yeah, that's a tumor. Yeah, he thought it was a metastasized tumor because um, he didn't think it was actually a tumor because there wasn't a lot of growth to it. It was just sort of like a smear of stuff on my on my leptomeningeal. 
and um, and it was in the spinal fluid was really cloudy. I, it, well, you know, I don't know because last time I had the MRI, the doctor either didn't remember the cloudiness or he, he said, oh, no, that was just the way you were looking at it, you know, whatever. I don't know. But that's what I saw between the the first couple of MRIs and then the, after I took the prednisone, there were, it cleared right up and it looked normal. And I could mm-hmm. finally see what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was just like uh, like there was milk going through my spinal fluid. That's what it looked mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've looked at a bunch of MRIs and uh, I, I understand what you're talking about. So um, they thought it was cancer, but they treat they you wouldn't treat cancer with prednisone. So no, no, they so, they, so how did they figure out what to do? They did a PET scan and um, nothing lit up because tumors will usually light up. Um, well, my tonsil lit up. So they went in and they took out my tonsil which is a great recovery for an adult, by the way. It's a lot yeah. of fun. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and they found a cyst, a benign cyst. Hmm. And so that lit up. And then just recently they tried the PET scan again and they found three lymph nodes that lit up in my neck. And they took one out and um, I still have the Band-Aid here. Okay, um, yeah. And um, that was a week ago. And... Um, Actually, we could go today and um, they found nothing. So they've just thought, well, it just happened to be hyperactive at the moment. We took the PET scan is nothing. Wow. And they're looking for cancer at that point, not sarcoidosis. Exactly. Well, they were hoping to find sarcoidosis because if you have inflammation nearby, that can set them off. Mm-hmm. And so they were hoping they'd find sarcoid there. You know, my, my doctor is very, and I don't know if it's because it's the best thing for me, or he just really wants to be, you know, sure of what he's working with. Um, he's not really, I found actually an eye doctor, an ophthalmologist. And uh, when I told him I had sarcoid, neurosarcoid, oh, my heart, I, that's, that's one of my, one of the diseases I became a specialist at, because I feel so bad for the patients. So um, he's somebody I'm going to start consulting a little bit. You know, if and there's somebody in San Francisco also that I I hear who is a specialist. That's all he does is neurosarcoid. Yeah. And so I want to talk to him. Right. Right. So so as you and I speak right now today, we're looking at how many years of this since your first. Let's say since your first feeling when you said the bottom fell out of your feet. Yeah, it's probably five years Four. five, five years. years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And your path forward looks like what to you right now? Uh, well, because of that stroke, I had a stroke. Did we talk about the stroke? Yes. Yeah, just, yeah. We just mentioned it. Yes. Right. <laughs> Sorry. You know, that's why I'm, I'm noticing some of my uh, I've lost a lot of focus with this sarcoid as well. Mm-hmm. And I have to get it. Um, it's good and bad. Some days. I'm kind of absent-minded and I find it hard to focus and um, that's not good for the job. (laughs) Right. Um, But um, I forgot your question. What was that? So, so what, so what are you, what are you going to do here? Well, they say that I'm doing physical therapy 
And the stroke will, uh, they say, uh, will probably get a lot better or somewhat better. So my goal is to be able to walk again without a walker, because uh-huh. right now I'm on a walker. You are on a walker. Okay. Yeah, that's how bad it is. And I can only, even that, I lose my energy almost immediately. But while I can walk, I, I you know, practice form. Uh, my biggest problem right now is my house has uh, about 11 steps to get to the front door. And that's difficult. I had to put in railing. Um, and we're thinking about putting in, I'm thinking about putting in a, you know, one of those mechanical chairs, um, yeah. lift you up, but that's really expensive. Right. Um, and, um, I don't want to move, but that might be, you know, the end result with that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, the only thing I can do is physical therapy and try to do the best I can with that. I'm also looking forward to getting this disease completely under control. So it's not doing any more damage. And, uh, and then I just, and then it's about physical therapy after that. Mm-hmm. Have they just said, let's put you back on the prednisone. Let's you're on 10 milligrams, but Right. Uh, and you've been as high, high as 90. That's the highest I've ever heard. I know from somebody uh, on the podcast. Um, well, that was and, only for like, uh, you know, a month and then they tapered me down to, to 80, which is still yeah. or 70 <laughs> or 60, which is still super, super high. Right. So have they talked about doing that? Yeah, that's what we're looking at now. That's why they wanted to make sure that we, you know, they were hoping to find some evidence, you know, something in a biopsy. Um, they want to go into my cerebellum and I'm, I don't think I want them to do that. Um, uh, they, but the doctor, the surgeon said, well, there's not a lot going on in the cerebellum, you know, in the cerebellum. And I said, how, do, how do, you know, like they debunked that whole idea that you only use like 3% of your brain, you know, that actually your whole brain is working. It's just, you know, so I'm not really that thrilled for them to do that. I'd rather just go with the treatment as if it, I, you know, they had evidence. Yeah. So you get up in the morning, you've got a, a walker. I mean, can you get from the bed to the bathroom, to the kitchen without the walker, or you need the walker to go everywhere? As long as I'm leaning against the walls, I can make my way okay. around. Yeah. And then you go out and you, you, you're able to drive. Yeah, barely. I, uh, the stroke really, uh, for a while, I couldn't drive after the stroke. Yeah. But with the sarcoid itself, I was perfectly fine driving. And I'm, ba- I'm pretty much back there now. I can pretty drive fairly easily. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so you're going through, what, what, what city do you actually live in? Are you in one of these parts of California where it's crazy traffic and all that? Yeah. I live in Los Angeles in uh, yeah. Southern Los, you know, Southern, the South near the airport, a place called Baldwin Hills. And um, it's about an hour drive each way to my job. <sighs> Man. And they said I could work from home. And I've done that because I have a setup here that I can work, but um I really feel like the company is important that I see people and not isolate in the house mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of that, so that was my next question is how have you gotten through COVID with all of this? Well, luckily editors are pretty isolated anyway in their office. You know, you stick in your room, you close your door. And so we wear masks and we just don't get too close to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were able to just continue on then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fortunate. And vaccine. Everybody get your vaccine. Right. Right. Have you had the booster shot? 
Not yet. I'm about to. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And did you have an adverse reaction to any of the shots? No, but I, yeah. you know, I think maybe I think people with stronger immune systems because I'm so repressed, suppressed. I think have the worst reactions when their immune system reacts so aggressively. And mine now is probably, you know, down boy, down boy. Yeah. Right. Yep. Do you have Pfizer, Moderna? Pfizer. Pfizer. Yeah. Myself also. And I had no reaction, nor did I have a reaction to the booster. See, that doesn't surprise me, but we're more at risk too. We have to be careful. Exactly. So you try to do, do whatever you can. Um, All right. So now you and I are about the same age. Are you just looking at maybe retiring anytime soon? It has crossed my mind, but I like my job too much. I'm not ready to. I finally landed at Disney and it's the first job that I've really, really enjoyed. They give me my head. I can do pretty much everything, anything I want. Um, And uh, it's just the whether the client buys it or not, or whether, you know, the filmmaker buys it or not, because it's often the filmmaker will be involved. So, and I love dealing with people directly instead of the studio, you know, the studio has just sort of been, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, a structure to where to work in. And they've been great. I can't, you know, I, ha- I used to hate Disney. I used to think of, you know, Disney, you know, making, Oh God. So it's so corporate. It's so blah, blah. You know, they're the greatest people. <laughs> I mean, they just really make a great work atmosphere for me anyway. So, uh, I'm, I am selfishly happy there. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. It's, you know, everybody wants to arrive at a point in life where, you know, you're doing what you like, you're being paid for it. You get up in the morning, you're happy to go to work. I, it's very, I think it's a very small percentage of people mm-hmm. who could say that that is or was their life at, at any point. So yeah. you I were, never you, was that happy at work. Uh, you know, I loved editing, but I, I never liked the, yeah. the process you know have you been in the motion picture industry your whole life or what? since i was 16 really so what what else have you done in terms of movies i guess my biggest credit is a league of their own back in 91 um i got to work with penny marshall and i was co-editing that and um uh that was a pleasure um and i worked on several movies uh that flopped and my career sort of went in the toilet, you know, in the in the mid 90s. For some reason, I just wasn't in demand. You know, I did a lot of smaller independent films and they never got around. And so but I, I do have uh, a lot of I've worked on a bunch of John Hughes movies. Uh, I was a, an assistant, an apprentice on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Really? Which, yeah. I even got to cut one scene in it. One little tiny scene. Uh, um, were you on set for any of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on set for the time that that uh, economist was teaching uh, the Smoot. Uh, what are the the uh, you know anyone anyone? Yeah, Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. Yeah, you were Bueller. there for that. You were there. I was there for that. that. <coughs> you know what they did? They loaded a, a big magazine. So, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. So they had like a half hour of film. They just started rolling the rolling the film. And John said, okay, teacher class. And basically that was all him. Really? Yeah. And he just, we were like trying not to laugh because it was so funny. And we just stood there and let the camera roll out. 
That is that is a classic. I saw uh, a meme the other day on Facebook where somebody had taken it was at a Starbucks and they had written Bueller on the cup. <laughs> and it said somebody somebody wrote this on the cup and walked off so that the <laughs> Starbucks barista would have to look at it and say, Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> I mean, it's how long is that? It's been 20 years since that, and people still recognize that scene. And you were there. It, yeah, it was a classic. You know, and I didn't know it was going to be classic. I knew A League of Their Own was going to be classic, but I didn't know Ferris Bueller was going to be classic. Yeah, uh, I would I would rate Ferris Bueller as one of the top, certainly one of the top 50 films in my lifetime, <laughs> just in terms of, you know, pop classics. I did have one cut in there that I'm proud of uh-huh. um, that I that I suggested. Paul Hirsch, who edited it, may may disagree or may not remember, but um, he's a great editor, by the way, Paul Hirsch, who we did several films together, and he's been very good to me. Um, it's when, what was his name? Cameron, the his buddy. Uh-huh, yeah. Kicks the uh, car so hard it rolls out the window, and he yes. just, he's on one knee, and he looks like there's this moment where he goes, I can't believe that just happened, right? He has this deadpan look on his face. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That was my suggestion. I mean, we had the cut there, but I said, no, keep it on just like 10 frames longer, just to give that moment where, where he uh, realize, is trying, it's trying to sink in a little bit of what just happened, you know? So that the whole audience goes, <gasps> you know, right. and it worked. Right. You know? That's right and at the Paul end of the movie when, they, when, they're, when they're messing with his dad's car. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can tell I've seen that movie a few times. But, but, <laughs> so uh, have I. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you've seen it up close in person. Did you meet Matthew Broderick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Did you know that he was destined for big things? Because he was young then, right? Yeah, but he was also a star by then. He had he was done, okay. Uh, yeah, he had done one or two. Uh, he did that uh, Middle Ages movie. I can't remember what it was called, but I think that might might have been his first, and it was a hit at the time, or okay. you know, just several years earlier. Okay. So yeah, he was he was money in the bank. He was good. Yeah. And um, it's so charming. I mean, that kid is you know, well, he was a kid then. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, so well, that's <laughs> that's that's cool. Yeah. So so you so you're 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 eating healthy foods. You're doing the best I can. I'm not very good at it, but you're, you're meeting movie stars. You're, you're involved. You're in it with the movies and, and then along comes sarcoidosis. Did you ever have that? Why me time? I never asked why me, but I did get really depressed and it was more like, um, um, oops. (laughs) It was like, uh, it's hard to describe. I because uh, consciously I thought, oh, now's the time to ask why me. But it never, I never did. It just was. Uh, I never thought this would happen to me. And I had this attitude, like, how could this happen to me? I mean, it's not. I mean, I understand why, but this happens to other people. This doesn't happen to me. And um, um, there was something else about it that was unique. Um, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah. 
That's this, okay. These things That's... Oh, I felt like my body betrayed me. And I was really angry for a while about that. Um, because I always depended on my body. My body would do what I told it to do. And I was always a guy that could lift the stuff and put it in the car, you know, and I, or I could get something down from a tall shelf or, you know, I'm, I was always the one changing the light bulbs and, you know, I, I like to do everything around the house. I can't, I can't do that now. And um, I couldn't believe it. It was like, it, it, it you know, I, I broke my ankle once 20 years ago. And I remember on the floor, I'm looking at my foot cockeyed. And I said, well, my life's going to change for a few months, you know, and that's what it, but, but my, now my whole life is going to change forever. You know, it was like this pre-sarcoid and post-sarcoid for me. Um, that part of my life is over and um, I'm not going to get it back. And that, so that has led to several bouts with depression and, um, uh, and I've had to work through it. You know, it's just something, it's probably like getting old prematurely, you know? And because um, I compare notes with my 91 year old mother about walking, you know, and using walkers and stuff or how to get out of a chair, you know. Um, so. Then I finally realized my body did not betray me. It's just I got a disease, you know, it's just something that happened. And. um I am with you on fighting sarcoidosis. I remember you had a podcast. Somebody said, no, I don't think I want to call it fighting, but I, I do fight it because um, it's a horrible disease. And um, I mean, it's really affected me. For sure. Did it, have you gone to therapy? Yeah. Did it help? Yeah. 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 But I was always into therapy before that too. So this was, I wasn't a, I'm not shy about therapy. I've, I've, I've used it throughout my life. Oh, you have. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It was hard for me to admit that I needed to go talk to somebody. Yeah. It is really hard initially to do that from, I think everybody, because it's uh, you have to admit your weakness or that you have, that you need help. And right. we don't, in this society, we don't still don't think of mental or emotional uh, problems as serious or as legitimate as physical injuries, mm -hmm. right. but they're, they're, they're real. Yeah. And we talked, you talked a little bit about the fatigue. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you find that you need to sneak off in a corner at work or go sit in your car at lunchtime and close your eyes for a few minutes? It's easier just to stay in the room and close my eyes for, because just to get down to the car is difficult. Yeah, sure. So I'll just stay there. And yes, I, I, I'll occasionally I find myself nodding off because um, I lose my focus and I have to take a break. But, you know, it's a union job. So you got to work 10 hours a night, 10 hours a day. That's a lot of hours, you know, um, especially with this. So I find myself at work late and it's everything I can do right now just to hold down my job and, uh, and function, you know, keep myself uh, functioning. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do about that. They've offered me less hours if I wanted. Um, and I might do that, but um, I need the money right now. It's very expensive to have sarcoid. Yeah. Yeah. You've got good insurance. Yeah. Yeah. I have union insurance now and that's really good. Blue cross. And they've yeah. been great. You had no trouble getting Remicade approved. 
No, only uh, they they were really good about it. Uh, um, and there was one month where I didn't have the insurance and I had to get some independent insurance and they wouldn't approve it. So um, I had to I had to pay something like because it's more than four thousand between four and five thousand dollars per infusion. Yeah. And I'm doing it every seven weeks. So yes. which we're probably going to step up. Yeah. yeah. Or we're not sure whether we're going to stay with Remicade. Or, you know, try something else or step up the Remicade. I, I think we're going to step up the Remicade at first because I have a lot of room, apparently, to step up the medication without harm. Without Are they harm. tracking your uh, liver enzymes with blood tests? Yeah, every every month. And you, But you've been fine with that? So far, so good. Though yeah. I question this, I've been having some stomach issues. And I wonder, my mother, of course, I, I try to call her. She's, you know so old now and she needs company. So I try to call her as much as possible. And um, uh, the first thing she said with the stomach says, liver. <laughs> and I went, what? Says, check your liver. I said, I check my liver all the time. She said, well, maybe they don't see what's going on. And that made me a little nervous, mm. but. Does she speak from experience with that? Yeah. Kidneys and liver for her. Yeah. Oh man. She doesn't have sarcoidosis. She has something else. She has rheumatoid. Rheumatoid. Yeah. Which is yeah. Which is, I mean, rheumatologists are often the doctors that treat sarcoidosis. My for initial doctor was rheumatologist. Yeah, mine's a rheumatologist. Yeah. And she has several, again, she's not a sarcoid specialist. Um, I haven't had the will yet to go and you know, it's a lot of work just trying to stay with your head above water. So I haven't really quite pursued that yet, but there's a few things I want to want to do as far as sarcoid specialists. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Adam, is there anything else that you would, uh, that would want to share with listeners who uh, maybe they're, they're looking for some commonality with your situation or uh, any advice that you would offer? Well, the only thing is, uh, you know, I wanted to blame myself somehow that I lived a bad life. I lived, you know, I didn't treat my body well enough and something happened. Um, that's not the case with these things, you know, either. I, I mean, I don't know if they know it's, uh, I think there's, there's a genetic element to it, a genetic element to it. I mean, my sister and my mother, they have the rheumatoid. I've always had a poor immune system. I was always allergic to things. So and personally, I think we live in a fairly toxic world and, and maybe that's contributed to all these autoimmune diseases happening. Um, and so it's not your fault. And, and especially with the incontinence, if people have are squeamish about that, it's, it's doable, you can live through it. It's terribly embarrassing, um, but it's helping me get over all that. <laughs> yeah. And um and, uh, and just, you know, it's the little things in life, you know, I don't have to rush so much and I'm still getting by. Um, and um, acceptance is the answer, as I've heard in the, to answer all our problems. I've heard that many times. Acceptance. Acceptance. But keep fighting. But keep fighting, exactly. <laughs> fight where you can fight. Right. You know, I mean, do what you can do. But understand, I mean, me, I have permanent damage, and that's just the way it is. But it's taken a while to get to that point. So you, you use that word new normal? You ever you use that term? 
No, I don't, but it's appropriate. All right. Well, Adam, thank you very much. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Just feeding that stumbling. Something else that Adam told me is that one doctor suggested assisted living or at least an aid. He says, but I can't afford that. He says he lives alone. He doesn't really know anyone who'd be willing to help. And frankly, most of the time he's okay with his housekeeper coming in every two weeks. And he writes, though, I do keep her very busy, but he keeps his phone with him at all times in case he needs help. But I just want to say thank you to Adam for coming forward, for being so forthright. Um, he's, a, you know, I, I'm in the media business. He's in the media business. It sounds like he's an amazingly talented editor. He has to be, or he wouldn't be uh, working at Disney. Um, and I, we, I just wish him all the best. I hope that, that he can get over this hump, that he can find the right combination of things. Now he's had the complication from the stroke. And as, as you probably know, when you get neurological damage, it's not like a muscle that you can work out and go to physical therapy and repair. Usually uh, significant neurological damage uh, cannot be repaired in the body, uh, especially if it's in the brain or if it's in the spinal cord. So, uh, and I just know that from personal experience and, and just a lot of a lot of reading and general knowledge. Um, so we just, I just really wish him all the best. And I want to thank Adam for coming on the show. A couple of bookkeeping notes here. A reminder, the official Sark Fighter song, even the four notes that you hear, the ding, 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 the very beginning, all of that is from a song called Zombie by Mark Steyer, a fellow Sark Fighter. Uh, and he plays in a band called the White Hot Lizards in Alberta, Canada. He's got an amazing story. He was playing hockey, and then all of a sudden one day, things just weren't working right. Back in episode 12, he contacted me, reached out just like Adam did, um, and he agreed to uh, to come on and tell his story, and more importantly, to allow um, the song Zombie that he wrote and recorded to be the official song of the Sark Fighter podcast. So there you go. Uh, so thanks, uh, thanks again to uh, Mark. I call this the Sark Fighter Podcast. As you know, I'm fighting Sark, so are you. Whether you're a caregiver, a patient, a researcher, and I will be having a caregiver coming on very soon uh, as we approach the end of 2021. So it'll be either in the end of 2021 or January of, dare I say it, 2022. Uh, but uh, I've been having a good back and forth conversation with somebody who's uh, taking care of someone with sarcoidosis, and I, and I'd like to hear uh, from even even more caregivers because uh, I know my wife is a saint for some of the stuff she's had to deal with with me, and and other people have have said the same about significant others or parents or or someone who takes care of them. Um, so yeah, uh, this is just a place where we all gather, so you don't have to feel like you're so alone. So you know, there's a reason to hope. A reminder: I release every other Monday. And as I am speaking once again today, my trusty boxer Dougal is curled up in the chair on my office and Dougal makes my life 
so much better. Don't forget to go back and listen to the bonus episodes on sarcoidosis and COVID and another bonus episode on just a whole episode on dealing with prednisone. And these were organized by the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. They got the top experts in the field. They uh, asked uh, they asked me if I would moderate these conversations. And so it's really a place where you're not hearing from just any old doctor or one doctor. You're hearing from the best. And you're dealing, you know, you're hearing how people deal with prednisone and what what prednisone does to your body and uh, your mind. Uh, it's all it's all there. So there are special episodes and there are links in the show notes. If you're new here and you're just trying to figure out what sarcoidosis is, go all the way back and listen to episode one with Dr. Simon Hart. That is one of the most listened to episodes. If you want to know more about me, if you don't already feel like you know enough. I told my whole story back in episode two. And then uh, the backstory to the founding of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. Andrea has a terrible case of sarcoidosis, and she and her husband over 20 years ago now got together and said, you know, there's there's no group working on this. And so they uh, they started it. They started it, and and uh, Andrea and Redding are both wonderful, and they have just done so much to advance the cause of sarcoidosis. So you want, you want to go back and listen to episode 11 with Andrea and Redding. I think you'd be glad you did. If you're interested in uh, discussing anything about the show with me, if you'd like to come on the show, just send me an email, carlinagency at gmail.com. There's a link in the show notes. Follow The Sark Fighter with the word the on Instagram and Sark Fighter on Facebook. And I appreciate your interest in the Sark Fighter podcast. It helps me reach more people and grow the show if you share it on your social media. And if you like it, just tell one person. Just tell one other person. Maybe it's your caregiver. Maybe it's somebody you met at a support group. But let, let them know what's going on over here. And let's all work together to see if we can't advance the cause of sarcoidosis. So thanks again to Adam for Bernardi for sharing his story and being willing to kind of get right in there into the gritty details uh, and, and let us know what's going on with him. And I really, really do appreciate that. And I hope you enjoy this, uh, this edition of the Sark Fighter podcast. Till next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer, you feel pain someday. Learn endurance, your strength will fade away. Dead man walking, trying to keep up the pace. Dead man walking, counting.